Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. We are well into the second year of the energy crisis and while I don't want to tempt fate, we seem to be over the worst, even if a cold snap is looming. What have we learnt from the events of the past 18 months and do they warrant a large-scale reshuffle of Europe's energy markets both at wholesale and retail level? Next week, the European Commission is due to outline its proposals for market design reform, but will there be enough to spur much-needed investment into renewables, or is there a danger of a fragmented, patchwork approach to the regulatory framework? Helping me to discuss this and much more is Jerome Lepage of EFET, the European Federation of Energy Traders. A warm welcome, Jerome. How are you doing? Thank you, Richard. I'm doing all well. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Absolutely. It's busy times, I'm sure, for, for you regulatory experts. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but very interesting times too. So. Absolutely. A lot happening. But I, I'd like to start by looking at the energy crisis. I mentioned we're into, you know, uh, probably a good 18 months into this uh, when, when, when the gas price started surging. What do you take as a sort of lessons learned? I mean, there, there are quite a few. Um, the, f- the first one being you, you look at different crises, um, like be it the, the financial crisis in, in 2008, the Brexit, uh, the COVID crisis uh, the, the past few years. Um, I think one of the lessons there is that we're always stronger when we act together. Um, we've seen that, uh, like latest with the COVID vaccines, like we started with closing borders, we ended up with doing vaccine procurement together in Europe, and that worked much better. And a bit the same lessons for the energy crisis or the very high prices and volatile prices that we've experienced. We've seen that European solution and being able to rely on each other is really what works. Markets have worked during this crisis just as well as during the previous one during the COVID crisis where demand was super low. So prices collapsed now, demand was very high, supply was low um, and prices went up. Um, but everything held and the systems, the markets. So that's something we should keep in mind when thinking about the future. It's clear that markets did cope and that, you know, when in the pan-EU context, then there's a solidarity and cooperation comes into effect. But at the same time, you see in some countries there is a tendency to look at the national situation. I mean, policymakers are elected from their national electorates, of course, and uh, and then they need to seem to be seen to be doing something. So is there kind of a, a, a disconnect there somewhere? There's always the temptation to go back to um, your own national borders because you feel this is something you control. Um, now, energy markets are, are worldwide markets. Um, we've seen that with gas trying to control prices of gas and, and this kind of things is tricky when it's a global market. Um, electricity looks like it's a purely European market because we don't exchange electrons with the US or with China, um, but it's still like very much a world market. Um, and thinking particularly about investments, long-term investments, there's going to be a choice for investors, whether they build windmills in Europe or in the US or in China or somewhere else in the world. So this is, we're, again, we're better, we're better together, we're stronger together. Our signals are more stable altogether. This is valid for consumers, but this is also valid for, for investors in the long term. And that's, I think, um, 
that's that's definitely something to keep in mind to resist the temptation to resort to to national solutions all the time. We've seen certainly over the last six months a flurry of interventions, mainly looking at revenue caps and inframarginal revenue caps, uh, price caps on on gas, etc. I mean, are, are there have been any instances? I was discussing this with some colleagues earlier. Have there been instances where you know such price caps have worked or have actually given the results that they were intended to do? So that much we don't know. Actually, so so the the Commission, the European Commission, is supposed to come up with a, with an assessment of the efficiency of those inframarginal rent caps by um, by April May to check whether they can be prolonged. Now we have signs that they may not be as successful as some expected. For instance, only last week Germany decided to let go of the system for inframarginal rent cap that they set up only like early December. Um, so that's probably a sign that those are not really efficient either in terms of um, the objective that they were set of redistributing benefits of um, expected or, or assessed gains from, um, from the market for, for renewables producers to consumers or in terms of the actual workability um, of, those, uh, of those caps. Just to bear in mind, it's not because we have one regulation at the European level approved in October that we have one inframarginal rent cap in Europe. Um, there's a wide diversity of them in each member state, some ranging from, from slightly administrative burdens and stuff like this to um, outright intervention into the markets. I was also thinking more generally, historically, in the, in the sort of financial markets, when when politicians and policymakers decide to put a price ceiling, there's not actually been there's been several instances when that's gone quite horribly wrong. Um, so I, I'm just wondering as well, but it, it seems to be an elegant solution at the time, and it's something that you can sell to the electorate. We're we're doing something to shield you, to protect you from these high prices, but in effect, sometimes you're not really solving the problem which you intended to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming from, from a representative of energy traders, you would you would expect that we don't necessarily like um, price caps or interventions of the like in, in the market. Now, a concrete example of that is what happened with the inframarginal rent cap in, in Romania, um, where it was set not, not that a threshold of 180 euros as, as advised by the European Commission, but at the level of everything above generation costs. So that means there's no real incentive for anybody to trade there anymore. Um, and the result has been the complete collapse of forward trading in Romania. So question mark there. Um, this is an extreme example, but this can be extrapolated to, to other type of price control and, and rents a redistribution, um, is how much good does it do? What the market is good at is allocating costs and resources as efficiently as possible. Um, if you temper with that and with that capacity of the market to do that, um, you may artificially bring down prices for a bit um, but how does it look like when you look at a longer time scale um, so when it comes to capacity to hedge um, but also incentives for investment for for um, any type of investors in new capacity especially renewables and other flexible technologies so of these interventions both at national and the eu level 
that we've seen. What's your impression so far? Have, have there been any good ones? Yes, there's there's been interesting interventions in terms of um, so we, there there's been an actual problem uh, for some consumers to um, afford um, their energy supply, be it gas or electricity. Um, so yes, we've seen interventions um, in terms of helping consumers directly, making sure that um, the right ones get the help they need in the amount that they need. Um, but yeah, from an effort perspective, those interventions, and especially those that were outside of the scope of the wholesale electricity market, um, those did help um, because they were targeted, they were efficient. Um, and they were using tools that are made for that, social policy tools. Um, now, those who had um, direct effects on the electricity markets, um, that's much more questionable. Um, we fear um, about the, the, the effects of these measures um, directly in the electricity market, but also in the market for investments, um, in renewable electricity, in storage, um, in um, alternative technologies like hydrogen. Um, but this is something, of course, that is much more long-term. So the effects of that are, for the moment, unknown. You know, what's surprised you most? I will come back to some of these these elements uh, later in the discussion, I hope. But of the interventions, what sort of took you back? So so the likes of, of the of the inframarginal rent cap in, in Romania that I have mentioned, um, that, that was so drastic. I don't know if surprised is, is the exact word, but um, it, it's it's really like asking, we asked ourselves, so how can one not think that there is absolutely no interest for any party to actually be active in the, the electricity market in Romania? Um, that's that, that was really striking, um, considering that electricity power generation, electricity retail supply, etc., are still businesses that are entrusted to private parties. So so yes, they have a financial interest in not making losses um, out of this business. Um, so that was quite striking. Um, another one was maybe the, the direct price control um, initiated by, by Spain and, and Portugal, um, where we warned um, the Spanish and Portuguese government about possible unintended consequences, not only in the electricity market, but also in the um, in the gas market and in the consumption of gas. Um, and we like correlations are still um, a bit complex because there are plenty of parameters, but we've seen quite an increase of um, gas consumption in Iberia over the over the winter. Um, whereas it was still a fairly mild winter. So, and we fear that it was one of the consequences of the price control measures in, um, enacted in Iberia over the summer. So all like two examples of things or measures that went wrong from our assessments, um, and that we hope that the long-term market design reform proposed by the commission would, um, do away with. So those were emergency measures enacted um, generally in a rush. Um, we think not necessarily well thought through, um, or at least where the long-term consequences hadn't been thought through. Um, and we hope that um, that we move away from 
from this type of action to something that is more constructive. It's understandable, of course, when you see these huge prices, you see consumers being hit very hard. We have a cost of living crisis, industry struggling. You know, it's it's understandable that there's the desire to do something to protect vulnerable um, households and industry. Yet at the same time, it's, you know, it's, you're addressing affordability, which, as you mentioned, is more maybe a social policy aspect. Is there a danger that you're conflating social policy um, with energy market design? I mean, should the two uh, coexist or should they be two separate uh, elements? I truly believe that um, the different tools are good to address different problems. Um, once again, the, the market, the electricity market, is very good at allocating resources at the lowest cost. Um, so that's, that's one of its key features, and that's what it was designed for. Um, whereas when you try to protect especially vulnerable consumers, um, like this is not, the electricity market doesn't know like what type of consumer you are when you consume electricity. Um, so we need any way to go through social tools if um, if we want to target the help. Um, so trying to trying to have market design actually do the job that policy social policy tools were designed for, um, I believe is a mistake. Now, what what we need. Um, quite urgently at the European level is also understanding who those consumers are. There's not even a definition of what a vulnerable consumer is at the European level. It's mentioned in um, in in European legislation. Energy poverty is mentioned. Vulnerable consumers are mentioned. We don't know what they are, who they are, how to target them, um, and how to properly help them. Um, in 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 the context of such crisis of of energy prices that we've seen, so so those would be priorities um, to help kind of um, use the market where it's best at, and then on the side make sure that we know who to help and how to help them, and use the right social policy tools for that. The Commission consultation and other proposals that are are coming next week, uh, Jerome, are they? Would you say, are there an acknowledgement that there's something broken, that the market actually needs fixing? I mean, there's been some very strong words, both come from Ursula von der Leyen and, and other politicians, perhaps at more of the national level, criticizing the, the design of the current wholesale market. So we seem to have done all right. We didn't run out of gas, and although prices it got very, very expensive, of course, but is the then assumption at, uh, at, at the European level that, that the market is broken? I, I wouldn't say so. Um, so yes, this, there have been strong statements um, from the president of the commission. Um, we've also seen um, or read in commission papers, etc., that uh, that no, the market is not broken, but it should be amended or tweaked or improved. Um, so, so we'd rather of this view um, that the market um, is actually functioning. Um, I'll just remind the. 34 billion euros a year in saving that Acer noted, um, thanks to energy market integration. Um, so, so that's huge, um, and um, but that doesn't mean that it can't be improved, um, that it can't be reformed to make sure that um, what exists, we build on what exists, 
um, and we improve what needs to be improved. Um, so now it, it's not the commission on its own reforming markets. Um, so the European Council um, gave some guidance for, um, or basically asked the commission to do some form of assessment and propose reform. And then the European Parliament and the Council of Energy Ministers will also need to take a view on this. Um, so where the Parliament stands um, will likely highly depend on what the Commission proposes. Um, and on the side of the Council of Energy Ministers, so the representative of member states, um, their views have been expressed already by some member states, um, some some asking for drastic reforms. Um, so some of them which are already quoted and which have taken some of the most drastic measures during the crisis, um, like, like Spain or Romania, France is also, despite not, not having taken really drastic measures, is in favor of quite drastic reform. Um, Others, uh, like Germany, the Netherlands, um, most Baltic and, and Nordic countries, um, are rather along the lines of, let's try to make sure that we improve what works already in the market and not destroy it. Um, so let's, let's be very careful about what we reform. Um, so that's kind of to set the stage of where things are at um, in Brussels. And when you say drastic measures is that kind of doing away with the marginal pricing model for example yeah doing away with the margin pricing model um trying to like implement um forms of revenue caps um embedded in contracts for differences for instance for all the generation out power generation out there be it new investments or existing plants um, it can be, so that's kind of an extension of the inframarginal rent cap that we have, um, seen approved, um, throughout, throughout the past year, um, other things around, um, extension of regulated tariff for everybody, for every consumer, um, with no choice of that. Um, so there are plenty of ideas out there, um, that kind of somehow defeat the purpose a little bit of what we've built the internal electricity markets for so far. I mean, crudely put, would you say there's kind of a, a north-south split in, in Europe? Was that more complex? Mm, no, not so much. Um, that's that's probably a bit more complex. So, so you have traditionally, um, let's say, pro-market countries uh, of the, like like the Benelux and Nordic countries, and and, and to some extent Germany, which. Um, indeed kind of like have like take a careful view um on reform um and maybe more a a, a latin europe um, perspective um that is probably more interventionist also culturally um and that's something that we see in wider policies um that would probably like to control a little bit more what is happening um now what so so there's not this is not necessarily a, a north south split. Um the the big question mark around there is um the future position of many central and eastern European countries, 
which have not necessarily expressed their views um, as publicly as, as some of the others so far. You are in the, in the hub of things happening in Brussels, Jerome. So do you see potentially the pendulum swinging against kind of market-based uh, approaches here? Or is that, uh, would that be um, a wrong interpretation? Well, that's a, that's a bit early to tell. I mean, the commission proposal is not out there yet, um, so it should come. It should come in in the course of next in the course of next week. Um, where the parliament stands, where half of the member states stand, um, are still question marks. Um, so, so it would be really early for me to tell. Um, now, the the debate will also be influenced by. Um, how markets um, react. Um, so the, like the short, the short term and, and forward markets that give price signals um, are very influenced by, by weather conditions, this kind of things, by the continuation of the war in Ukraine. Um, so, so of course, if we see a, a new surge in prices that may have a, a fairly deep impact on the debate in Brussels, um, now we've seen markets calm down a little um, over the past few months, um, so at the very that doesn't mean that it 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 will the prices will give us a certain direction, but at least um, I hope that with uh, let's say more stable prices that we have a more stable debate and a more sane debate on on those questions. I think it's certainly going to be a very busy time in the weeks and months ahead, Joan, both for you, yourself and and for us at Montel News. But um, if I can just sort of round up by talking a little bit about. Uh, your hopes and fears for the proposals that are that are that are coming next week. You said some things do need improving, so maybe you could touch upon some of those as, as well. Absolutely. Um, so I think a few things for us that are important: um, the cost efficiency um, of the whole system, um, and that means mainly relying on uh, market participants themselves, private parties contracting with each other, um, and pricing in the costs of uncertainty in the market, um, rather than relying on, on uh, public funding uh, for that or on public resources. Um, so that means improving the depth and maturity of forward markets and, and PPA markets, uh, but also um, fine-tuning um, what is going on in spot markets, um, allowing trading much, much closer to real time, even with shorter granularity, time granularity in intraday. Um, those things are very important. Um, a second angle for me is the, the coherence of this reform. Um, we've seen in some of the proposals tabled by the commission in its consultation, um, we fear that some of the instruments that um, could be used or that the commission or member states would be tempted to use could have counterproductive effect on each other. Um, so what does long-term commitment um, backed by a state entity through a CFD, for instance, what kind of impact does that have on the liquidity of forward and PPA markets? Um, what does regulated prices or hedging obligations for retail supplier have as an impact on um, on demand response and the capacity of consumers to actually modulate um, their consumption depending on prices, weather conditions, etc. Um, and the final the final pillar, my third pillar, I would say would be 
um, let's and I've mentioned it already. Let's try to keep things European and as European as possible. We're more resilient together. Um, we've seen that in this crisis. Uh, we've seen that in the previous ones. Um, so let's let's try to not undo all the work that has been done over 25 years um, in building these internal electricity markets. Absolutely. Otherwise, because there's a danger, of course, that uh, some would want some companies, investors, as you mentioned industry even would wish to to relocate to regions and countries such as the US where there's been a when a big pull uh you know yeah, to try and get them over yeah um so Jerome thank you very much for joining the Monta weekly podcast this week thank you Richard it was a pleasure to to join you here so listeners you can now follow the podcast on our own twitter account aptly named the Monta weekly podcast please direct message any suggestions questions or you know let us know if you if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show you can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.